You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and I'm delighted to welcome back to the show after a little while, actually, uh, the brilliant Mr. Dan Potts. How you doing? Yeah, I'm cool, man. Thank you for having me on, bro. Much appreciated. Always a pleasure to come on and talk to you, mate, and debate. It's always a healthy debate between me and you. We don't always agree, so I always look forward to seeing what we can, uh, can conjure up today, man. And uh, good evening to everyone in the chat. Um, great to see some of you. Um, some of you probably not great to see me, to be honest. But we'll go from uh, we'll go with it and see how we get on, man. But thanks for having me on, Harry Top Man. <laughs> no, good to have you on, man. Good to have you on. And um, I promise I haven't been avoiding you on purpose. I know Granite Jack has given us plenty to go back and forward on. So I've uh, this wasn't a deliberate dodging <laughs> of of you, Dan. Uh, so I just want to get that out there. But look, I mean, we're going to talk about transfers and, and then we'll yep. touch on whatever else the conversation takes us to, as I'm sure we'll we'll go off on a few tangents uh, here and there. But um, I wanted to start off with the Dusan Vlavic stuff because mm-hmm. this has been kind of ongoing now for probably a couple of weeks now. It's been rolling on. It's been rolling, rolling, rolling. Ever since the transfer window opened, the talk around Dusan Vlavic just doesn't seem to be going away. However, I'm at the point, Dan, where just kind of reading between the lines and based on sort of the conversations I've had, I'm not confident that this is a deal that Arsenal can get done in January. Now, that's not what everybody wants to hear because, of course, he's a top player. We understand and recognise and realise that we're in a place where I believe we're just one injury away up front from having a big problem. Um, There were question marks around whether we could potentially reintegrate Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. We know that he's returned from the or will be returning from the African Cup of Nations uh, due to the heart issue that was discovered. There have been some contradictory reports this afternoon suggesting that actually it's for disciplinary reasons that he's been sent back. I, I don't know that to be true, so I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. But let's let's park Dusan Vlavic for a minute as an individual. How high up your list of needs is bringing in a striker right now? It's not my priority, Harry, uh, if I'm honest with you. Um, if you look at our squad right now, we are depleted in certain areas of the squad. I have issues when Tommy Yasu and Gabriel are injured because Cedric and Rob Holden come in who I don't think are good enough. However, our priority is a centre midfielder, bro. We are so depleted. I was not happy when Maitland-Niles went without a replacement and I personally did not want to see, as much as I think he's highly rated, Charlie Patino playing an FA Cup game as his debut or full debut against Nottingham Forest away. But we had to because we were depleted. Granite Xhaka, I'm sure, will come on to has done his best to make things as difficult as possible in that area now. And it's the only time that I've ever walked in to a load of my mates watching the game saying, I can't wait to see Granite Xhaka tonight for the first time in a while because we're absolutely desperate to see him. And he stayed on the pitch for a good 20 to 30 minutes. So I look at that and think we're depleted more in centre midfield than striker. Now, centre forward's definitely an issue still, Harry. And I think if we do want to try to cement a claim for top four, then we do need to try and look at getting both deals over the line in, in terms of a centre midfielder and a striker. But certainly... 
if you were to ask me, we can only get one player in, we've got to get a centre midfielder because we're so depleted there. Not just because of Africa, but because of injuries, because of suspensions. And let's be honest, I still don't believe we did enough in the summer. We needed a guy to come through the door in that position in the summer, and we certainly need one in January. So if you said to me, what's our priority right now? It's a defensive midfielder, somebody to anchor that defence, somebody to play in a kind of Jorginho-type style role, I suppose, that's just going to sit in front of the back four and allow Thomas Partey to be more of a box-to-box midfielder when he does come back from um, the Ghanaian team. So that, for me, would be the priority, bro. Yeah, I agree with you. I've I've said that the, the centre of midfield has to be the number one priority for quite some time. If you cast your mind back to when we were talking about the summer window and whether it was a good or bad window, I, I largely rated it as a positive window with the exception of that one position that I felt we'd kind of overlooked. Um, obviously, we kept hold of Granit Xhaka when it looked like he was headed for the exit door. And I think Arsenal, as they've done in a couple of positions, decided that they had to you know, maybe wait and make sure that they got players that they felt were longer term uh, sort of solutions. But then we knew the AFCON was coming, Dan. We, we knew it was around the corner. We knew that we were going to lose both Thomas Partey and Mohamed Elneny. And so to be in this situation now where we're basically on our knees in the middle of the park, it's something that even someone who's backed Mikel and backed their due as much as I have, you can't help but call it out, right? Is it, you know, a lot of it is down to rotten luck with the injuries and the COVID cases, et cetera, et cetera. But this rotten luck is a consequence of mismanagement. How responsible are the club for the situation that we're in, as opposed to the situation around us, i.e. COVID and injuries? The club are fully responsible as far as I'm concerned because this isn't something that snuck up, snuck up on us. This is something we were all aware of. It's bad planning from Edu and Arteta and certainly the board who have not given the advice of how the club works to say, right, we're going to be in an absolute mess. Let's get this meeting sorted. Who did we not get in the summer that we needed? Centre midfielder. Let's make sure that on the 1st of January we have that guy that we know we're going to go and get. If it has to be alone, it has to be alone. But we need somebody in because in Africa we're going to have El Nini and Party gone. Maitland-Niles we know is going on loan and Granit Xhaka's got COVID. So what are we going to do in centre midfielder? Charlie Patino, Miguel Aziz being called back. It's all rushed. It's all real like, wow, this is last minute stuff now. We are that desperate. Bruno Gamares is apparently a player that can be got this January if you buy it, pay 37 million or a loan and obligation to buy who's available next summer. Now, how the hell are these rumours still? I mean, this is just making no sense to me. Is this guy available or not? We don't know. Is the art of rumours true? We don't know. But centre midfield, we need to get somebody in. Wijnaldum on loan, Arter on loan, Bruno Gomares, whoever it be, <laughs> get somebody in. We're that in that desperate times, mate, that we've had to call Miguel Aziz back and Jack Wilshere's tutored as coming in to save us because we're that desperate. This we shouldn't be like this. This should not be the case. And Mikel Arteta and Edu are to blame for that because it is them who are doing the transfers, we believe, together. And Edu is our director of football and he should be looking and scouting who we believe should be that upgrade for Granite Chaka. Not someone who can just come in for a couple of weeks. Now, what are we left with? somebody who has to come in for a couple of weeks because we've left it this late. We've only got two weeks left of the window, haven't we, before it shuts? And we've got Torreira, Maitland-Niles and Guendouzi, all Arsenal players out on loan while we're depleted in midfield. Those players can only be allowed to leave personally, in my opinion, when they're being replaced. I think it's a madness that we've been left in this situation. I really do in midfield. I do, I do as I said, I, I do think it's poor management and I do think that they have to be held accountable for that. But... In, I kind of agree with John here in the chat who says, 
I'm sick of this club buying for the sake of it. Apparently this, apparently that. It's not football manager. Same fans calling for Deadwood to go want more in to plug a hole. I think, look, one of the things that I would always say, Dan, is, for example, this Bruno Gimaraes stuff, right? I think it's really easy to sit there and say, well, we know that he's available for £37 million, so why the hell don't Arsenal just go and do it? The question I would throw back to those people is, do we know that Arsenal are genuinely that interested? Interested enough to meet that release clause? Because they've shown, particularly um, since Mikel Arteta uh, came in, that they're willing to put their money where their mouth is and back him to sign players, even if it's £50 million for Ben White, even if it's over the odds for Aaron Ramsdale, like we thought it was at the time. They've shown time and time again that they're willing to back him and do what it is he feels is the right thing. Thomas Partey, another example of a big money signing. So do you believe that Arsenal are just sitting there going, well, we really like Bruno Guimaraes, but we're not going to go and pay £37 million for him? Do you think that's actually the case? Because I find that really hard to believe. No, I don't think it's the case at all. I think that he's going to be back to whoever he wants. We're reading into the rumours of Vlavic, who we just mentioned, and we believe that they're going to back him until he comes. I don't think that's a transfer that's going to happen this window because I'm not so set on the fact that Vlavic wants to come to Arsenal. However, I don't have any inside information to suggest that that's the case or that he doesn't want to come or that he does. So when it comes to Bruno Gomares, I personally feel like Edu will probably be interested in a player because he's got great stats, doing very well, is Brazilian and I think he's just what we need to complement Thomas Partey. I don't feel that Arsenal are going to say 37 million is too much. We need to go and get somebody on loan. But I don't see much happening, which suggests to me that the plan has either gone wrong or there isn't one. So it's one of those two for me. And I would suggest at the moment, the way it's looking is that either the player they want doesn't want to come to Arsenal or they haven't really got somebody they're set on yet that they can see coming in this window. And it may be that most of our winter moves that are being rumoured are actually summer moves. Maybe that's the case. Yeah, I think that's the case. I think the idea of bringing in a striker was was always on the agenda. It was always on the list. I think Arsenal knew that given the contract situations around Lacazette and Enketia, that they were going to have to move for a forward with Aubameyang. I don't think anybody foresaw him being completely frozen out the way he has been. But, um, you know, I, I think that the idea of bringing in a striker was one for the summer. And it's one that Arsenal have tried to accelerate now off the back of certain circumstances unfolding. But just going back to that midfield point again, I mean, th this is the point I keep making to people. You know, everybody keeps telling me that Arsenal are so big on Bruno Guimaraes. Arsenal, and, and we had this last time. Do you remember Hussein Awar? How, how long did that go on for? Hussein Awar is Arsenal's number one primary target. Yet all the evidence previous shows us that Arsenal have backed Mikel Arteta with the targets he wants and have been willing to put their money where their mouth is and do those deals. If you're then seeing the club not move and making those deals, then surely the first thing you've got to do is question how accurate that report of the strong interest is. That's kind of, I think, the, the way you need to follow this back and try and understand and work out exactly what's happening. Because I think you can get yourself in a, in a mess sitting there going, well, we want this player. So why the hell ain't they doing it? Blah, blah, blah. We don't know anything. We don't know exactly who they want. You know, journalists will come out and say this player is at the top of the list and that player is at the top of the list. We, we have inklings and we have ideas and, you know, sometimes leaks along the way will give you that indication. But a lot of it is hot air in the transfer window. And it's really easy, isn't it, Dan, I guess, to get 
sucked into that. I would always mm. say to people to stay a little bit calmer. Um, oh, yeah. How do you cope with a transfer window? I asked this to some of our members yesterday because for me, it's one of those things where I've learned over the years from having to deal with it time and time again that actually a lot of it is bullshit and not to get sucked in. Do I hate let it. it get to you. <laughs> I hate the old transfer window. Everyone gets excited by it and then they all tune in to Darmesh Chef and Gavard going all this with the, the, the board and getting really excited about pretending they know what's going on. I actually hate it and can't wait for it to shut so we can get on with playing football because I hear links and links and links and until it's the yellow bar, there's no point really confirming it, is there? Because until you see a yellow bar on Sky Sports or they're holding the shirt, it's still a rumour to me. The Vlavic is a rumour and so is the Arta. There's no doubt that I'm sure we're interested, but that's about as far as it goes at the moment because I can't see anything saying that we are in advance talks to sign him in the next couple of days. And until I see the yellow bar, Arsenal have signed Vlavic and Arta, I'm really not going to get that excited, mate, because we've seen it before, haven't we? With so many players, how Higuain had a medical, how Benzema has been on his way for about six years running, Salomon Kalou every single year, Mani Anamvia passing medicals. I see and hear it all, but nothing's actually... I mean, Diego Costa's the latest one I heard today. I mean, like, what, what? how much of this is nonsense and how much of this is serious? We don't know. So my only query, I suppose, is what do we need? The transfers open, transfer windows open, what do we need? We need a centre midfielder, we need a striker, and in my opinion, we need another right-back that's going to cover Cedric better and a centre-back that's going to cover Holding better. And if we're going to get rid of Pablo Marie, which looks like he's near enough done to Udinese, we might need a centre-back again in this window. So there's a lot of positions for me, personally, that we're still a little bit weak on. I love our first 11. I actually really love our first 11. I think that Ramsdale has been an absolute inspiration since he's come in, and Tommy Yasu has been a breath of fresh air. I love Kieran Tierney. I think Gabriel and Ben White are forming a partnership, and the jury's still out for me with Ben White, but I see him the other night. He was exceptional, so there's definitely talent there. I think in midfield, although I'm not a fan of Granite Chaka, I certainly do rate Thomas Party and think Lukonga will be a good potential player. I like Nuno Tavares. Tavares is as a backup as opposed to Kalasanach. And there's players I really like in that front line now, albeit not centre forward, but I actually really like what Smithrow, Erdegaard, Saka and Martinelli are doing. So there's players that I can say now, Harry, that I haven't been able to say for a while that I actually really like. So the transfers have definitely come in and done better. And I've always credited Arteta and Edu for what they've done off the pitch with transfers. And that's why perhaps players and fans can get a little bit more excited now in January and the summer. But I still... Don't I just still take it as a pinch of salt, and I do not see this Vlahovic um, signing happening, but I do see us getting a centre midfielder in this window. So I always look at the transfer, the January transfer window in particular, as as a, a, a window in which you address emergencies, as opposed to the window in which you plan. You know, the summer you plan, you look ahead, you look at what you're going to do for the season, you identify targets, you tend to spend bigger money. Um, you know, in the summer because you're going to make the biggest investments. And January always feels for me, or, or should be seen at least, as an opportunity to right some rogs, plug some gaps, fix some holes, uh, and get yourself kind of, give yourself a little bit of a spring into the second half of the season so that you can go on and achieve those goals and objectives. And I just think for me, this is what why I struggle to kind of get subscribed to the idea that Arsenal are going to go absolutely huge in January. Um, you know, I, I think that they'll be looking at it. And as Mikel Arteta has alluded to, they'll be looking at options and assessing options. But I, I feel like this is a window where they're going to try and give themselves that little bit of a spring into that second half of the season, as opposed to the window where it majorly contributes to the rebuild. And I agree with a lot of the comments coming through. You know, you 
for years and years and years, we've gone and signed these stopgap players and then we've ended up stuck with them. And, you know, for example, Cedric's and Pablo Marie's, and you've had to give them long-term contracts to get them in through the door because you desperately needed them. And then you're stuck with them and you can't move them on. And, and they're just stinking out the place. And I think for me, if we were to keep looking at plugging these holes in a way that isn't for the long term and in a way that isn't going to be beneficial to us over a longer period of time, then we're almost abandoning the strategy that I think has put us in a good position this season in the first place. You know, I would rather that Arsenal wait till the summer and get the striker we want as opposed to settling for the third or fourth choice because they were available in January. I think the midfield is 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 a position we're in a more desperate situation where we do need to plug that hole. And, and you know, I'm willing to kind of give Arsenal a bit of a buy in terms of them going out and doing what we see as a short-term deal. And I guess a lot of the noise right now, Dan, is around our tour. Um, and talks are continuing on that. Still no real significant progress. Juventus still not budging at the moment. But from what I understand today, Arsenal are looking for a straight-up loan deal and nothing more than that, which is what the stumbling block appears to be. So it's clear that although Mikel Arteta might well like Artur, he doesn't see him as part of that long-term plan. Not at this moment anyway. I feel like he's a player we're linked with and we're interested in. But from what I heard yesterday, and again, this is probably nonsense and you can tell me if it's not, they want Thomas Party as a swap deal. Now, I think that's madness if that is even true. Surely that would just be like, uh, no, we need a player to come in, not to let one go out. Arthur is someone that I don't know much about, but you did say on a show with me the other day that you're a real fan of some of his um, attributes and you think he'll be a Jorginho-type player, which I think is what we need in terms of a position. Hopefully he's a bit better than him. Um, when I look at the uh, potential of him coming, I think that it's likely because Juventus don't really see him in their first-team plans, but perhaps unlikely if there's no money attached to it and it's just a straight swap because I think they're probably looking at an obligation to buy or an option to buy if you believe the rumours. But again, don't know much about him or Juventus's kind of stance on the player, I suppose. Um, a few other options for me that I'd probably be more happier with. I think Wijnaldum would probably be a better option. He's already Premier League proven. He's got that experience. I think he's 31. Um has experience in the French League now and also the Dutch League, but was great with Newcastle and even better with Liverpool winning the league and the Champions League. So he, for me, would probably be the hard-working midfielder that Thomas Partey would um, would thrive under as well. Arta, probably a bit different and more of a holding midfield, deep line, spraying the ball forward in terms of his passing. But certainly two players that perhaps we'd look at getting both, Harry, because we're so depleted in there. They wouldn't even surprise me if we looked to get in a couple in that uh, that in that uh, position, just for the pure fact that if we get any COVID cases or injuries, we're back to square one. Even if we just sign Arta, imagine Thomas Party coming back and getting injured and COVID uh, going to Granite Chaka. We're back to just Arthur and Lukonga again. So I think it could be an issue for us if we don't get somebody in. I really do. But Arta, I can't tell you if it's a yes or a no. If I'm honest with you, yeah, he's a player I quite like, but. I just worry about that adaptation period coming from Serie A to play a very different game in the Premier League. And then we're going to be, you know, you don't mind that adaptation period being there if you've got other players to cover it. But when you're bringing this player in because you're short, then all of a sudden you can't, you can't afford that spell, right? You can't afford that period of time where you're giving them a little bit of grace and saying, well, you know, you're, you're just adapting. Um, Darren Sullivan says, nonsense. Massive signings have been made in January. Arshavin, Oba and Sanchez. Yeah, massive signings have been made in January, Darren. I'm not saying that they never happen. 
All I'm saying is that I think in an idealistic world, when a manager plans a rebuild or plans to take a team forward, I think they look at January in a very different way to the way they look at this summer. Now, you mentioned those, Arshavin, Aubameyang, Sanchez, all of those had something in common. All of those were opportunistic signings that Arsenal made. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang had fallen out with Borussia Dortmund and wanted out. And Arsenal took the opportunity because that opportunity presented itself to bring him to the club. Alexis Sanchez was deemed surplus to requirements at Barcelona, remember. This was not someone who Barcelona were, were sort of desperate to cling on to. If they were, he wouldn't have joined us in the first place. So January is often a window that teams move into uh, when they sense and feel an opportunity, as opposed to it being the window where they plan to do their big business. That's how I see it anyway. And I think... Um, you know, that that's kind of the point I was trying to make. Um, so we've talked about Artur a little bit, Dan, and, and for those who haven't um, really got the download on Artur yet or are not sure what type of player he is and what the situation is with Juve at present, you could check out our Artur Mello special, which we recorded on Friday with Italian football journalist uh, and good friend of the show, Carlo Garganese. If you check that episode out, he talks in depth about Artur, the type of player he is, the qualities that he would bring to the team and the situation at Juve with regards to what they want to recuperate for the player and their current financial position. So there's lots of good information in that episode. Check it out if you haven't done so already. Um, Dan, lots of people have been sort of up in arms over the last few days about Arsenal and the postponement of the North London derby um, and all of that. I guess in the one hand, when everybody's talking about us all the time, it kind of means that we're back relevant again. Uh, so we'll take it as a bit of a compliment. But I'm concerned that this game on Thursday is is perhaps not going to go ahead as well. I, I know we're only at Monday at the time of recording this, but when you look at the situation we were in just a few days ago, it's difficult to see how it changes that dramatically mm. over the next few days. Do you have the same concern? A hundred percent. I have the same concern because we know where the guard's got COVID, but he should be okay because I believe he got it, you know, um, in time for his seven days isolation. Granite Chaka, we know is definitely not going to be about, but how many of those injured players from Anfield are going to be back because Saka's got a knock. Smith Rowe's still not ready. Tommy Yasu, we believe, not ready. Chambers and Cedric out. We're going to have to play, if we want to, potentially Ben White at right back because he's the only option we've got unless we bring somebody through. We're going to have players that we um, are going to be questioning over Kieran Tierney because he was cramping up. So when you've got that many players out and no midfield, it's a worry that it's going to go ahead again. I don't really understand the outrage. I never really understood the outrage from anybody, to be honest. It's strange that three weeks this has been happening and all of a sudden when Arsenal do it, the pundits start coming out and questioning what's going on. Um, very bizarre, that. Um, I personally, and we won't go into what happened with your opinions on Liverpool-Arsenal, but I personally wasn't as outraged as some of the fans. I just questioned whether they were actually pulling a fast one. And it turns out that they were, with the false positives and Trent Alexander-Arnold being the only case. But we're pulling a fast one as well. We could have put a team out, in my opinion, on Sunday. We might have had to play Hutchinson and Patino, but the other positions were definitely all right. So I think we're pulling a fast one. Why wouldn't we? So are Burnley, so are Wolves, so are Spurs, Leicester, Liverpool. The list goes on. That's my honest opinion about it. It's nothing about Arsenal have done wrong, Liverpool have done wrong, Wolves haven't done wrong, but Spurs have. 
They've all they've all done right and they've all done wrong. They've all done right because they've gone by the clubs. They've all gone wrong because they've pulled a fast one by trying to stick to the rules. That's my honest opinion. And I think personally, Thursday night, we're going to look rather stupid if we play a full-strength side, even if they're fit. And while I'd love them to, I'd love to go through to the Carabao Cup final. How silly are we going to look, though? A bit like Liverpool did against us, playing a full-team strength and everyone's getting out, outraged and up in arms about it. Personally, for me, I look at the situation and say, if we cannot put a team out that is not showing that we've got issues, I'd rather it be cancelled so we don't look like fools, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. Yeah, see, see, I it's interesting because what I guess I'm trying to get my head around is the severity of some of those knocks that we picked up at Anfield last week. And if a week in between is enough time for us to kind of fix those or, or get those players back, you know, some of them, they ended the game, therefore they can't be that bad, if you know what I mean. Like, when you end the game of football nine times out of ten, the chances are that it isn't that severe of a problem. But again, we don't really know. We don't really know the extent of some of those problems. But I think for me, you know, going into the game on Thursday, it's a massive, massive opportunity. And um, and I think you're right. Arsenal did use the system to their advantage, but they've done nothing that everybody else hasn't previously. And, and I, too, was surprised by the outrage directed towards us. But moving on to Thursday, this is such a big opportunity, Dan. You know, we're we're basically in a straight-out shootout at home with Liverpool for a place in the Carabao Cup final. And, you know, I, I just feel like, although the league is the priority, and it always has been for me, and, and it's always been, you know, the, the number one at the start of this season. I said last year that I was willing to give Mikel Arteta the benefit of the doubt for the shit league position because of the fact that the Europa League was there and it was an opportunity to ultimately bypass the problems in the Premier League and get ourselves back in the Champions League. But this time around, even though we're in the hunt for the league and, and that should be the priority, I just think when you get to the semi-final of a competition, you you got to give it your all. And, and considering the blood, sweat that went into getting that draw at Anfield in the first leg, I think that Mikel Arteta almost owes it to everybody to to make sure that we're at as, as best possible shape and at full strength, if possible, for the game against Liverpool. Because if we get to a final, anything can happen. And I'll tell you what, if this guy comes and brings in a second trophy in three seasons, I think that would go a long way in telling a lot of people where to go. I think you're right. I think that trophies matter. And I'm of the opinion that every single competition always matters when you're asked to a football club. However, I appreciate that when you're in the Champions League, and the League Cup game comes up, you're probably going to prioritise the Champions League game. When you're in the Europa League, in, say, the quarterfinals, and you've got a Carabao Cup semi-final, you're probably going to prioritise the Europa League. Because one of you gets you the Europa League conference if you win it, the other one gets you the Champions League if you win it. So for me, where Arsenal are at right now, we're at Champions League football qualification, not let's win a trophy. We've already done that. Actually, we've done it quite a few times in the last seven or eight years. So what we need to do now is Champions League football. So the league is definitely the priority for us trying to get fourth place or third if we can. What I see with this game is that we should be able to compete in it after all that I've just said for one reason. We are not in Europe. So that for me means that now, especially now we're at the FA Cup as well, that we should be doing all we can to play our strongest 11 every single game now for the next, what, 20 games that we're probably going to be playing for the rest of the season. I think we've got... Is it 18 games we've got left in the league? And then obviously this one game and then potentially, hopefully, fingers crossed, a final game. So when you're playing, that's, tw that's literally 
20 games, potentially. I think you've got enough in our squad, if we can get a couple of players in that need to help us, which we've discussed already, to play our strongest 11. Now, on Thursday, we're not going to see our strongest 11 due to the problems we've got currently. But in the next week or so, when we start to face Burnley onwards, we will have. That is where it's massive. For me, the reason that this is bigger than it would be if we were in Europe is because there's no European football and we need to treat this as our European fixture against Liverpool on Thursday night. Now, if we have got injuries, we can still put out a team with what the team that we've got back. So we're going to have Ramsdale, we're going to have Ben White to play right, we're going to have Rob Holding and Gabriel, potentially Nuno Tavares if Tierney's still out, Erdegaard back in the middle with Lokonga still fit, and you could either drop Erdegaard and play Smith-Rowe if he's back, or if not, you bring in Omar Hutchinson to play with Martinelli and Ketia and Lacazette. So there's definitely enough players there to put out a team. I don't know how injury-prone some of these players are still, how injured they are even. So if we've got players back, I think the game will play, be played and should be played. If it's a similar team to what I've just said, we might struggle in certain positions, but we've certainly got enough players, in my opinion, to let the game go ahead. Hopefully, I'm praying that everybody's miraculously back and we're all okay now, and then we can go ahead and play our strongest eleven. But I would be worried, Harry, the outrage of some of these fans, um, and how silly we might look, to be honest with you. A little bit similarly to how Liverpool looked last week, but who cares, man? As long yeah, as we can get come. through, I don't really care, man. As long as we get through, because it's a massive opportunity for us to get to Wembley, mate. Yeah, let them come. Let them come. They'll criticise us, whatever happens. It's just the way of the world. It's just the way the world's become. Everybody wants to be outraged and pissed off about something um and arsenal uh, are in the, the line of fire at the moment uh just as liverpool were the week before the, the difference is and I, and I keep saying this and i've had this conversation on various other shows this week you know in the last week people keep saying oh why not the same energy for arsenal that there was for liverpool well because arsenal had a game postponed because they genuinely didn't have players available whereas liverpool uh, asked for a postponement on the basis of suspected cases only to then announce that those cases were false. So come on. I mean, it's not the same thing, not even in the same stratosphere. But anyway, um, let's get some of your questions. Let's take some of your questions from the live chat box. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're listening on the audio platform, uh, we're going to just pause for a quick message from our sponsor. Right. Come at us with your questions. Uh, myself and Dan Potts live with you for around about another 20 minutes or so. Hit the like button if you haven't done so already. There's already uh, 450 of you watching us live on YouTube alone. We've only got 111 likes on the board, though. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to get that up to 200 between now and the end of the stream. So hit the like button, subscribe, etc., etc., um, and get your questions in. Uh, but Dan, Burnley at the weekend game coming up Premier League game obviously all the Premier League games are huge for us are Burnley ever going to play a game first of all again <laughs> because they, they've applied to have tomorrow's postponed as well <coughs> excuse me <coughs> it is unbelievable isn't it that Burnley are about four or five games behind everybody else in the league um but they're struggling, Harry, because they actually do have a real depleted squad and they haven't got the squad of some of the others. They're really struggling. It doesn't help when teams like Newcastle go and have um, 
a go at their getting their striker on the release clause. So I feel a little bit sorry for Burnley, if I'm honest. And I do believe that if Sean Dyche does keep Burnley up this season, then he deserves a, a, a trophy himself in his own right because the guy is such an underrated manager in terms of what he does. Yes, it might not be attractive, but I have to respect what he's done there over the last 10 years. It's been an exceptional job. So Burnley, for me, is going to be a, jo- uh, a job that I think will get past. Um, I was quite impressed by our performance in the sense that we were physically uh, improved over the last few seasons when we went to Burnley away last uh, th- earlier this season. I know it was only an Erdegaard free kick that won us the game in the end, but normally we get battered and bruised when we go up there and we actually stuck up for ourselves. And I think that's something that we have tried kind of implemented, although our side's young, we'll give some fight, we'll have some physical attributes within our side, like the likes of Gabriel, Ben White, Thomas Partey, Kieran Tierney. We're starting to see some players that stand, stand up for themselves. So I'm not so worried anymore, Harry, when we go up against Brighton, Burnley, Palace, some of those physical sides because actually we've got some fight in our side now. What I will say about Burnley is that they're always going to be scary because of the style of play and it's not attractive to watch. But we saw last season them do us 1-0 and we were going for a really bad patch at the time and it was actually the time that I decided that Mikel Arteta, it was time for him to go because we couldn't have afforded to lose that many games. Um, So personally, when you look at it, I think it's going to be a tough fixture because of how well organised they always are and how hard they are to break down. But I still think that we've got enough going forward to cause them some issues should our players be back in time. But Burnley, like you say, when are they actually going to have a team they can select from? I really don't know, mate. If it is going to go ahead, I do fancy Arsenal to take three points, mate. Yeah, Sean Dyche has, has said today that only 10 players, uh, today at the time of recording Monday, that is only 10 players took part in first team training this morning, which is obviously not looking good. Um, Let's take some of your questions. Andy Land says, can you speak on the DT situation, please? Look, a few of you have asked in the chat about this. I don't know DT. I've never met the guy in my life. All I've seen is, is the article that all of you have seen. I've only read what all of you have read and I, I have nothing to say on it. Like, obviously if it's, if it's true, then it's completely, out of order, I'm, you know, I'm sure it is true for it to have got to this this kind of level and and sort of been reported and and a lot of people referring back to that government website where it kind of talks about the case. But listen, I don't know the guy. I couldn't add anything worthwhile to the situation. Um, so we're not going to do it. I mean, Dan, I- I'm assuming you're in the same position. Like, yeah, just... same boat, mate. Um, yeah. I don't, um, you know, I know, I know him. I don't know him like me, like me mate or anything like that. I'm certainly not an associate of his um, outside of football or outside of AFTV personally. Um, but if what we're hearing is true, then absolutely it's the right thing to do. And that's all I'll say on it, mate. I don't have any other inside knowledge or know of anything else that's happened today other than what people have seen and read. So that's all I can say, really, Harry. But I don't want to start getting into something and then it be wrong. So, I, I, you know, I can only go with what I know. And that is all I know, like everybody else knows. I've been at work all day and haven't spoke to anybody about it. So, um, yeah, that's all I can say, dude. Yeah, completely agree, man. And um, we'll let the people that are in the know talk about it, eh? It's... um. It's not really for us to uh, to get into. Um, Jen Tao says, are you both on the same old Arsenal later? Dan is. I'm not, unfortunately. I'm working uh, this evening, but I would have loved to have been on because it's been a couple of weeks since I've spoken to the lads on there. But hopefully be back next week. Uh, Matt G says, who do you think was Wenger's best signing? I love these historical questions that I like. I, I do like them sometimes. I mean, for I like me, that. yeah, it, it's, it's one of two. Uh, and I think it's either Patrick Vieira or Thierry Henry for me. Um, 
because of the the kind of heights that they went on to. Uh, anyone else, Dan? In your opinion, I, I think there's been a lot of great Wenger signings. There's been a lot of shit ones as well. But there's been plenty. Of <laughs> yeah, there's been some horrendous ones. Um, I think it's between three for me. Um, you've mentioned two of them. The only one I'll throw into the mix is Sol Campbell. Um, because I think that was just ridiculously, that was just brilliant, wasn't it? When we got him and, you know, for that, for nothing. Um, and the story behind it. So it would be between them three. But if you was to ask me, I would say Patrick Vieira, just because he, he, he came into the team and I've never seen us not be able to replace a player like that. We've managed to replace goals from Thierry not in the same bracket, unfortunately, and certainly not from the same individual. We're never going to replace the Thierry Henry. Um, but we have managed to cope without him in terms of goals. Certainly, Sol Campbell's been replaced over the years with a couple of options, but no one really that you say, wow, was it, it was at the same bracket of him, a bit like Thierry. But we really haven't got close to replacing Patrick Vieira because he was that good. And I think that he was so vital to what we did moving forward and in defence that um, he's going to be missed for a very, very long, long time. So for me, I'd go with Patrick Vieira if he was to ask me. Good stuff. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Pramod says, uh, don't know why I have a feeling we'll end this window with Ramsey <laughs> and Alexis on loan. Anyone else have this feeling? So according to to what Carlo was telling me the other day um, on the Arto Mello thing, we were talking a little bit about Aaron Ramsey. I think we just came across him Um or we came on to that point in the discussion. And one of the things Carlo said was that Juve are making Ramsey available. Like they do want him out. They do want to move him on. But Ramsey isn't going to just walk away from a huge contract that Juve put on the table when they signed him as a free agent. And this is one of the, you know, we criticise Arsenal for some of the business that they've done. What Juve did, they were lauded for the fact that they constantly picked up good players on free transfers. But in the midst of all that, they offered them crazy wages and crazy salaries. That means although they didn't lose out in terms of a transfer fee, they're now struggling to get these players off their books. I don't see Ramsey coming back and, and I certainly don't see Alexis Sanchez returning either. Um, Jid32 says, are we such lazy analysts as fans that our answer to everything is to sell four players every window? We bought six in the summer. Now we're talking adding two or three all in one season. Is that reasonable? Dan, are we asking too much? Because I tend to agree with this. I think if we bought, you know, we bought, what, six, seven players in in the summer and then we're asking for another couple in January, it does feel like it's a little bit OTT, no? I don't think so, Harry, because we're in a mess, aren't we? And we need to get ourselves into a place where we're not in a mess no more. And we've got 11 or 12 players that are good enough. But actually, you need more than that if you want to compete with the big boys. And I'm looking at competing with Chelsea, Liverpool and City in the, in the most littlest of time possible, hopefully in a couple of years. A lot of people think it's going to take 10. Some people think it's going to take six. I'd like to think that if we can get the right signings in, that are six or seven players that people are talking about in the summer and maybe a couple this window, that we will have a good enough squad to look to go as close as we can to that third place. And whether that's Chelsea or whoever it be, I'd like to see that next season. That would be progress for me. Top four is progress, not top six. I don't want that this season. You know, we've done that before and we definitely don't be spending quarter of a million pound now to get in the top six. I think top four is well achievable this season and I think it would be a good season for Arsenal. Anything less than that for me has not been has not been good enough 
So for me, I don't think it's unrealistic uh, personally to expect to get a couple of players in this window. Not when we're depleted in certain areas. It would be unrealistic if we had a squad of 20 and we were complaining that we didn't have a squad of 25. I'd understand that, Harry. And I'd say, do you know what? In the last transfer windows, we've seen six players coming in every single one. I'd be a bit more like, yeah, fair play. But when we've had four windows now, one of them's been Pablo, Marie and Cedric. The other one was great in the summer. And this one's been nothing so far. I don't think we're asking for much at all. I think we're quite paper feed if I'm honest with you in terms of our players so yeah certainly most of our start of this podcast was that we're really depleted in certain areas so I don't think we're asking too much we just would like a squad that's you know deep enough to be able to compete this season with getting what we need which in my opinion is the league cup and top four I I, I, I get what you're saying that we're in a shit street and we, we're in a mess and we need to bring in a lot of players to kind of get ourselves back to the, the level of squad that we need to compete on multiple fronts. Completely agree with that. I just think that where I think that point has credence is that we're asking a, a, the club in a really difficult time for all clubs because of what's gone on over the last couple of years to be super proactive in terms of the funds that they're spending. And I just think that at some point as fans, not that we should be bothered about fees too much, but we have to understand the economics of the whole situation as well. And that it isn't easy to just go and get, you know, 10 players in, in, in the space of two windows, 10 big high value players. As much as I agree, I agree though, mate, as much as I agree that it's not, it, I, I'm, I'm not expecting Arsenal to go and sign 10 players in two, in two windows, but what should yeah, but if, we yeah, but hold expect? On. If, we got, if we got six or seven oh. in, in the summer and we want two in now, you're asking for nine in two windows. Okay, yeah, but well, that wasn't my point. My point is going to be, what should I expect then? That was going to be my question. Was like, if it's like, this is hard to do, what should I be ex- expecting and say, fair play, I expected that? Because I expect us to get a couple in this window. I don't expect us to do nothing. So what should I expect as, okay, that's acceptable? Yeah, it's, I, I, I don't know. See what I mean? I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I just, for me, I just think that, when you talk about player turnover and you look at the clubs who have gone major in player turnover in, um, you know, in, in a short space of time, it's been with huge investment. And we know that our club is not a Manchester City or a Chelsea where one summer the owner's going to go, here's your checkbook, mate, go and get 10 players in. Done. You know, we, we know that that's not Arsenal. So Yeah, I get that. So we kind of have to be a little bit realistic about it. And it's why from the beginning... A lot of people were quite patient with the whole Arteta thing. I accept now, though, that we're at a point where it needs to accelerate. The progress needs to be visible quicker. And I get all of that. I just feel like... I think we are seeing progress. I think we are seeing progress. You know, and I've been open and honest about the fact that I don't like what's happening. But it's more been about the process that I don't like, as opposed to just Mikel Arteta. I don't like the fact that we've got owners that want to go down this route. I don't like our owners. I don't really like our board. I certainly don't see enough on the pitch to say this manager's going to take us to a title. But certainly I can see progress. 100%. We've definitely improved as a team. And Arteta's got to take credit for that. And so have the players. And Edu's got to take credit for it in terms of the transfer uh, market. But at the same time, as much as I think Edu's done well in, with certain um, uh, signings, it's, he's got to do his job, Harry. And, you know, if I said to you, listen, if I was your boss, I said, Harry, I want you to write me a story on this, uh, please, by the end of the uh, window. And you say, sorry, it was just too hard to do. You've got to accept that this not, you know, got to, um, what's the way, uh, expectation. Um, is that good enough or have you just not got your job done? So the way I see it, Edu has got to not just sit there and say, sorry, it was too hard. I was jet skiing in the sun. I think he's got to go and get a couple of players in. 
you know? And when we get to a stage of a League Cup final, if we get there, and we're missing out on top four because we haven't got a striker that can score goals or Thomas Partey's got a long-term injury no one can come in to replace him, who am I going to look at? The fans? Or am I going to look at Edu and say, what the hell were you doing? So at the same time, as much as I understand it's difficult in January... Do your job, man. Get the players in that we need because we can't sit and do nothing this season. We're a real good chance here, Harry, to get top four and get into a, into, uh, another trophy. And I feel we're two or three players short, but we might get away with it if we get a centre a centre midfielder. We certainly have a better chance if we get Vlavic and Arta over the line. Let's see what happens. Yeah, fingers crossed we can get a couple of those deals done because, as you say, they would certainly enhance the team. And we are in a position where we are paper thin, um, but it's just there, there's always that thing in the back of my mind, Dan, where like if you remember when Edu spoke at the and we'll kind of use this point to to wrap it up. Um, when we talked about Edu and his comments at the start of the season, do you remember he was talking about how when we got all our players back, we would see the actual progress and that we, we weren't really seeing the, the full picture when we were going through that difficult run of results at the very beginning. He also said that the process and, and he kind of elaborated a little bit on what the process was. And it was, we're going to have to buy in bulk and, and a young core of players, like the Whites, the Ramsdales, the Tomiyasus, and do all that business. And then hopefully we'll be in a place where we're adding one or two here and there that really enhance the quality and really are already at that level, as opposed to sort of hedging our bets on players that might develop. And I think now we've done that bulk transfer window. That's last summer's transfer window was that window for me. And now it is about going out and bringing in one or two that are of a, a very high calibre. And I think this is why we shouldn't really expect Arsenal now at this stage, even though we've got a bit of an injury crisis in the AFCON, to deviate away from that plan too much. Because then we'll say, well, that plan is not a plan if you're not sticking to it. So do you see what I'm trying to say? I think I do. You know, if we stick with, if we go by what we were told at the start of the campaign, I think we're, we're still on track to deliver that. I think you're right, and I think Eddie was well within his rights to come out and say, well, I haven't seen some five of our new players yet. So I totally understood that in the interview, if I'm honest with you. I didn't like what he said in certain parts of that interview, but I thought a lot of it was probably truthful and probably easy for him to say, if I'm honest. And he had the excuse of COVID injuries and problems. Um, he didn't see Ramsdale. We didn't see Tommy Asu. We certainly didn't see Ben White um, with Gabriel because of Gabriel's injury. Um, and we had no strikers at the time either because we were playing Balogun and Martinelli up top. So when I look at it, I think actually when he was, uh, you look back at that, he said a lot of good things that have now come to fruition in terms of we're starting to see what our first 11 looks like now. We've definitely improved the final third. I think Martinelli's had a lot to do with that, if I'm honest with you, and it's someone that I really wanted to see and thought that could have brought some uh, tenacity into our, our play, and that's certainly what he's done. I love the way that Saka and Martinelli are working tirelessly on both wings, and I think Martin Erdegaard's really raised his game, and it's a player that I really need, thought needed to, to be honest with you. Smith Rowe currently can't get into that. So we are starting to see why why these players were brought in and they are starting to work. I do think Tommy Yasser and Ramsdale have been our two best signings. I won't say it's Erdegaard or Lukonga or Tavares, you know, uh, or Ben White. For me, those two by far are our best. So I think when you look at it, Edu's definitely got a point. As for the plan, I think you're right. The plan in the summer was to build the foundations and build from the back. I think our plan this January has been to look forwards and say, who do we currently need? Well, Pepe isn't a long-term future. Neither is Lacazette already in Ketia. Balogun's gone on loan and Aubameyang has gone AWOL. That's five strikers that do not have a future long-term at the club. 
The only one that you can say does is Martinelli, and he's not even a centre-forward. So we definitely need to bring somebody in in the next couple of windows in those positions. But I don't think the plan has come to fruition in this window yet because, listen, I might be wrong. They might be going for Artur and Vlavic. They get him on the last day and everyone's happy. I just don't know that that is going to be the case, Harry. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, no, exactly. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, The, the January transfer window tends to burst into life in the final sort of week or so. And I'm expecting that if Arsenal are going to do any business, it will come around about that time. Um, we're going to leave it there. There's over 600 of you watching us live right now across the multiple platforms. If you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button. What on earth are you waiting for? Uh, we're 30 likes away from hitting the 200 mark. So get involved, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new. And if you didn't catch it yesterday, our latest members podcast is out. It's the first of its kind where I invite a group of the members from our Discord server onto the channel uh, to talk with me about all things football. And next week, we'll be bringing another load of members on and we'll keep rotating it uh, and make it a weekly thing. So uh, if you want your chance to appear on the member show, all you've got to do is become a member. Click on the link in the description, sign up, and uh, and we'd love to have you. Uh, Dan, tell people about where they can find you. Tell them about Lee Judges TV. Tell them how they can subscribe. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on, mate. Always a pleasure. Great to see the regulars in the chat coming back as well. Um, so that's even the ones nice. that don't like us. Even <laughs> the ones that yeah don't like me anyway. I think they like you and your channel, bro. But uh, no, yeah, not they're not too, not too, already, <laughs> not too keen on my opinions, which is cool, man. I don't care. I'm you know, I'm sure we'd get on and have a beer together and debate it uh, in the pub. Uh, anyway, uh, where can you follow me? If you do want to follow me, um, then you can do. Uh, at Dan Arsenal 87 on Twitter and I'm now on Instagram as well I've only got a few followers on there but I've just come on to that because apparently that's the way forward I don't really do social media Harry but apparently it's the way forward um, as for YouTube stuff I'm, you can see me on there quite regularly on people's podcasts I do quite a lot with Harry do quite a lot with Tom Canton uh, same old Arsenal I'm obviously on as well if you come and follow that watch that tonight 8 o'clock with me Lee Mark and Craig and then Lee Judges TV me and Lee are on there quite regularly Lee Judges has got his own channel now and he's asked me to help him out so me and him running that together so we're doing quite a lot of content regularly on there towards the reactions and match reactions of weekends at the weekends and some preview shows throughout the week um so come over we'd love a subscribe um if you can come and join us more than welcome cheers harry no problem at all make sure you head over there and do that the link is in the description to lee judges tv as well give dan a follow on twitter i'll leave his handle in the description and we'll be back very very soon with more arsenal and football related content until next time goodbye you're listening to the chronicles of aguna the arsenal podcast I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.